Nice shirt. It fits okay. There you go. Look at that. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, the black t-shirt number 348 that I... No, no. I, it's great. I love it. I'll, I'll be wearing it. Uh, I should say too, uh, I have checked out my theory yesterday and right, I was wrong. Um, sorry? Uh, okay, well, we were both wrong and both kind of right. Um, uh, uh, Caleb, the one who came out of Egypt with Moses, didn't marry Rahab as far as we can find, but it's almost certain that Rahab wasn't uh, Boaz's mum, immediate mum. The way the genealogies work is that uh, father can mean grandfather, great-grandfather, great-grandfather, and sometimes the Bible writers will drop uh, generations out of genealogies because they're just trying to make the point of who's in whose family line. So Rahab was in the family line of Boaz, uh, but may have been his great-grandmother or great-great-grandmother. Um, but I'm sure they told him stories about her and it had a great influence. Anyway. <laughs> and I... Check out your preachers, whether they're telling you the right thing or not. And it always helps not to take yourself too seriously. Okay, how about we pray that God will help us on a... Um, by, the, by the last day of a weekend away, you can be a little sleepy, okay? If the screensaver goes on in your head, it's my fault. Let's pray. Now, Father, we ask now that as we turn to your word, you'd help us to understand. Please help us to um, listen clearly, that I may speak truthfully. We ask you might bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, there's a website called Ranker, and what it means is that people with too much time on their hands can vote about all sorts of different questions. So I looked up the one. One of the themes that comes up in movies regularly is the idea of redemption. And I thought, okay, well, as people vote, what's, what's some of the best redemption movies around? So I picked out a few uh, on, the, um, on the list. To Kill a Mockingbird, number 15. Um, I, I watched a little bit of that movie, but the book is absolutely brilliant. Just a quick thing. If you listen on Audible, I've listened to 80 or 90 novels on Audible. That's the best one. Uh, anyway, here we go. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Um, Les, the French one. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, nine, Groundhog Day. You think now that's all about being stuck, but it's actually a redemption movie if you, uh, if you do watch it. Um, there's, uh, where we go here, The Green Mile with Tom Hanks, hasn't he been in so many? Uh, Goodwill Hunting with a very young Matt Damon. All right. uh, number two, woo, wait a minute, number two, yes. A Beautiful Life, sorry, A Wonderful Life. Now, I haven't seen that one, that's a real oldie with Jimmy Stewart. But the number one, and you might agree, the number one that everyone voted for was Shawshank Redemption. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you know, I think I could recommend it. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great movie. But you never remember, who is it that actually gets the redemption in that? It's the Morgan Freeman character right, who gets, uh, well, how would you say, rescued. Now, just to show that people who vote on things don't know what they're talking about, the greatest redemption story ever, of course, only came in at number 16. Right, so Jesus gets in at number 16, although Mel Gibson's movie, nah, okay. Now, what is, okay, that's all about redemption. We love redemption, so what is redemption? Well, let's have a look. Oxford Dictionary, actually the Oxford Dictionary is pretty close to the way the Bible thinks. Here's what the Oxford Dictionary says. Redemption is about a thing that saves someone from error or evil, 
The action of regaining or gaining possession of something, or someone, in exchange for payment. It costs to redeem. The action of buying one's freedom or the action of saving or being saved from sin, error or evil. The idea is that redemption costs. Redemption wins something or someone back. Now, redemption is a key theme uh, in the book of Ruth, particularly in chapters 3 and 4. So uh, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read chapters 3 and 4 with you, make a few comments, and then uh, see what we learn. Okay, get you back up to speed. Here we go. Uh, Timeline, yes, all right, we looked at that. Uh, Thousand years from Abraham to David. Where does uh, the book of Judges fit? Whoops, sorry. Where does the uh, book of Ruth fit? This king keeps jumping. Uh, During the time of the Judges, what was the story? They went to Moab down at the uh, southeast. Uh, Elimelech leaves town because there's a famine. Um, The the men die. Ruth commits to uh, Naomi. They come back. She wanders into the field to be gleaning, uh, and she gleans in the field of Boaz, older, wealthy, and single man, uh, and... um, Boaz may be a little slow on the uptake, but anyway, that's um, here we go. Uh, have a look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. Let's just set the scene. There's something I want to show you. Um, Boaz welcomes her. He's very impressed with her, and uh, he says, I've been told, 2.11, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother uh, in your homeland and came to live with a people that you did not know. And then verse 12, notice what he says. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. And we saw the idea of wings, the Hebrew word kanap, uh, can mean wing or border, corner or shirt, or the edge of a cloak. Okay. Uh, The idea of God putting his wings, like an eagle, his wings over uh, his or her, the, the eagle, their chicks, to protect them. And you see that same idea in Psalm 91. Now, whether or not Psalm 91 was written then, but that's the idea that Psalm 91 picks up. Um, Okay. All right. Um, And then uh, have a look at 2 verse 20. When Ruth goes home, she tells Naomi where she just happened, where the commas happened to wander in. And Naomi said, "Uh, that man is our close redeemer, he is our guardian redeemer. And so we looked, and that was the word goel, and the idea that uh, God wanted, each family was given land in the land of Israel, and God wanted that land to stay in the family for generations. If someone got poor, uh, were poor and had to sell their land, see verse 25, if one of your fellow Israelites become poor, becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem buy back at a price, yeah, redeem what they have sold. And Boaz is uh, one of those for Ruth and Naomi. Naomi will have to sell her land. Boaz is in line to be able to buy it. Okay, chapter 3, verse 1. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, in those days, big difference uh, in terms of did you have a husband, sons, did you have men to work the fields, etc. Most marriages arranged, and so 
Ruth doesn't have a, a father or brothers to arrange a marriage, so Naomi decides that she'll um, get involved. Um, and as I say, Boaz, an honourable man, maybe some starter motor problems, I think, in terms of getting, getting with the program. Uh, and Naomi decides that she will take a great risk, or Naomi decides that Ruth will take a great risk, culturally. Have a look, um, chapter 3, verse 2. Uh, now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you were there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now... Depending on the audience, when you're a preacher and you're covering this, um, you feel a little bit like the blind javelin thrower. Right? Um, he, he never set any records, but he always kept the crowd's attention. Okay? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because Naomi tells Ruth, spruce yourself up, put some perfume on, get your best clothes on, and then go um, uncover his feet and legs. And some of the commentaries will say uh, his feet and legs can be a euphemism for uh, genitals and uh, lie down can be a euphemism for sex. And so what's going to happen, all right? So you get to verse 5. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now, this is actually a great act of trust because she's going to be on her own in the dark with this man and how will he treat her? What will he, will he take advantage of her? Will he totally reject her? It's a risk that she takes. Verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Verse 8. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Um, now, different, uh, did they have sex? No. Um, i tell you why. Like, at the very end of verse um, 11, he's saying you're a woman of noble character. These two are held up as examples of how to actually live in a godly life. No. Um, uh, but different artists have tried to kind of uh, catch the idea. Uh, let's see. Uh, that one doesn't really work. Um, no, that one doesn't work. He's not kind of old enough or whatever. Um, no, Boaz looks pretty bored there, I think. It's not like... Right? Uh, no, he's, he's got the thousand-yard stare. That's his not, that is not working. Um, that one's closer, okay? But the one I really like is this one. Uh, where are we? Yeah, that, whoa, wait a minute, let's go back. That one, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, okay, whoever drew that has got it. Um, now, she's taken a great risk in, uh, in doing this, but what's really going on? Now, I didn't understand it. I think I do now. 
John Piper, the American preacher, has shown me what's, what's going on. When you, when you understand what she really says to him and link it back to chapter 2, it makes perfect sense. Let me show you. Um, here's how the NIV Bible translates it. The NIV um, isn't as word-for-word word exactly accurate as some of the other translations, but it's good to read uh, and read out loud, okay? So it's fine. But here's what it says. Ruth says, I am your servant Ruth, she said, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. If you go to um, the English Standard Version, which is more accurate but also a bit clunkier to read, so each, tra- each translation is a bit of a trade-off, what she literally says is this, I am Ruth, your servant, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Right. Spread your wings over me. Now, um, in the Old Testament, as I've shown earlier, the, the wings idea can apply to a cloak that you wear. Okay? And so, um, literally, Deuteronomy 22.12, make the tassels of the four corners of the cloak you wear. Literally, the wings of the covering. Okay? Uh, and so you can get a winged collar, Or you can see that if you're wearing like a a big robe, um, it can be like wings, okay? Also note, please, if you're trying to look scary like Darth Vader, having a little dog pulling on the corner of it, it just doesn't doesn't quite work. All right, but the wings of your cloak. Okay, so when you put them together, where are we? Here we are. Uh, When you put them together, uh, NIV, ESV, What she literally says, look on the right, um, he says, who are you? She says, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Okay. But at the beginning, in chapter 2, what has Boaz said to her? May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so what she, basically what she does is she comes to him privately, acts that out, pulls the wings of his cloak over her and says, you've said or wished that God would put his wings over me to protect me. I'm asking you to put your wings. How is it that God will care for me? I'm asking you to do that as the Redeemer. And I think all of a sudden that, ah, I get it now. That, that is what she's come to ask and ask privately. And he says, um, you're a good woman and everyone knows that. Now, have a look at um, uh, 3 verse 12. He says this. I think Boaz has finally got with the program, okay? Although it is true that I am the guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty... So there's one other that's closer in line, okay? In the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised, and he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. She's really pushed the edge of the culture. Okay. Um, He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Um, Then he went back to town. So he sends a gift back to her mother-in-law. Why? Probably worked out that she might be his mother-in-law soon too. That 
never hurts. Okay, uh, verse 16. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, mother-in-law Naomi asked, um, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Verse 18. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Okay, now let me read chapter 4 fairly quickly. You'll get it. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he mentioned uh, came along. So the guy first in line comes along. Boaz said, come over here, friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. These are going to be witnesses. Okay. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. Okay, Naomi's poor. She's got to sell the land. She can't work it herself or on her own, not just her and Ruth. Boaz says to the guy first in line, verse 4, I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of, the, of, those, of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Now, the next little bit makes sense if you understand about the command about Leverite marriage. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's from the uh, Latin word lever, meaning brother-in-law. Here's what um, God commanded. It was the idea of keeping family, the family name and the family line continuing even if a husband died. So we're told this in Deuteronomy. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfil the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Now, um, uh, Boaz is not the brother of Marlon, um, but I think he's kind of trying to put this into effect or use it as a, well, see what happens. See verse um, 5. Then Boaz said, this is to the first in line guy, oh, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. So... Sure, buy the land, but you also get a new wife, and she's a Moabite. And at this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it, it, so you redeem it yourself. Um, I cannot do it. Now, whether he didn't need an extra wife or was going to be just be a bit awkward actually going home, and you know, she asks, "How was your day, honey?" And then, well, anyway, uh, he decides. Uh, not to buy it. Okay. Um, verse 7. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalising transactions in Israel. Cultural. I don't know why they did that. Perhaps it's just something memorable that, that you did. Okay. Verse 8. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Marlon's widow, 
as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead from his property uh, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. And the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. Um, May you have standing in Ephrathath and be famous in Bethlehem uh, through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, from who, uh, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And so they were all kind of patriarchs in the past. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And what's, what's unusual in the end, it's like Ruth kind of fades away a little bit in the focus and then Naomi is the focus of the last little bit. Naomi, who was you know, bitter and twisted and, and broken up in chapter 1. You get to chapter 4, Naomi's the focus again. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Um, when they're talking about guardian redeemer, you'd think they're talking about Boaz, but you get to the end of verse um, uh, 15, and she's actually, they're actually talking about her grandson who's been born. So it's her grandson who will look after her in old age, etc., and how God has blessed her. And you notice Ruth, the Moabite, is better than seven sons. Finally, she can see just how God was looking after her. So verse 16, Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him, The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they called him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Now, now, this is why uh, it's obvious that um, uh, the the writer of Ruth here and Matthew have left out some generations, because Perez is way back. He's the son of Judah, um, several hundred years before. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. And you keep reading, Ruth is the great-grandmother, we'll read that, of King David. Okay. Now it is interesting that there's the book of Ruth. We got through it all, well done. Um, it is interesting that so much of the Bible, God gives us stories about people rather than just kind of straight kind of propositions. Why? Because I think they put, it puts flesh on the way that God works. And for most of us, it's easier to understand a story than just an abstract proposition. What's the big thing here in chapters 3 and 4? God works through redeemers. God rescues people through Redeemers, whether that be the Old Testament guy who's got to buy the property or, of course, the greatest redeemer. And the idea of redeeming always costs. So when you get to Matthew chapter 1, what are we told? Here's the story of Ruth. All right. So Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, possibly great-grandmother, etc. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed the mo- um, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, um, the father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of King David. And you keep reading down to verse 16. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called Messiah or Christ. 
And so, um, of course, the great redeemer in the Bible, the whole of the Old Testament points to the great redeemer, Jesus, who comes to be redeemer. Now, um, redemption and ransom are very close ideas in the Bible. And the words are close too in the original. So if you go back to the, um, the definition of, re- of redemption, the action of, rega- um, of regaining or gaining possession of something, or I'll say or someone, in exchange for payment. Uh, now, of course, uh, the story of Ruth is just a shadow of Jesus. Why does um, Boaz... Redeem Ruth, um, essentially she deserves it. Her commitment to her mother, her uh, trust in God, etc. He has an obligation and so he does the right thing. The marvel of the New Testament is that we don't deserve it at all. And the New Testament writers marvel at, at the cost of what it is, our redemption. So um, it's right through. Once you start looking for the redemption idea, um, it's right through the New Testament. So Colossians chapter 1. You notice what redemption means? It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So to go from the kingdom of the evil one to the kingdom of God, what's that mean? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been bought at a price and bought out um, and brought into his kingdom. And what's the price? Well, uh, Peter's very clear on that. He'll say... For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, there's a redeemed word, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Let me just leave you with one thought. The New Testament writers, I, I can't think of a place really where the New Testament writers just say, look, here's the law or here's the rules, you've got to live by it. What they do, when they want to talk to to motivate Christian people about how to live, what do they say? God so loved us in this way, or Christ gave himself and paid that price of redemption, or here's what it cost to win you. So once you understand that, you'll live a different way. Um, uh, Once you understand that, you can be sure of eternal life. Once you understand that, you'll be able to live with thankfulness. Once you understand that, you'll be able to be generous to others. Um, You're not your own, you're bought at a price. Therefore what? Honour God with your body. You'll be ready to forgive. It's that understanding redemption uh, that changes hearts. And the story of Ruth and Boaz is just kind of, if you like, is a shadow, an Old Testament shadow, of the great Redeemer who comes. Okay, Maka. Oh, Katie, we're going to... Yep, okay. Can I, can I do a quick postscript? Is that all right? Okay. One of the things about Old Testament um, stories is that we, we, we want to use them as role models. We want to say, oh, they did this and therefore we did that. Um, It'll only take a minute. Biblical character studies. Okay. So Ruth, you know, the, this woman in the Old Testament did this, therefore we should. Now, it's easy with Ruth. Well, you can see parallels. If you go back to Judges chapter 3, Jael, who's a woman, 
has one of the enemies of Israel come and hide in her tent and she drives a tent peg through his head. Uh, what do you do with that? Um, uh, sorry, I should have said trigger warning, but okay. Um, okay, so Ruth does it. Is, let's go. Is, do you think Ruth is a model of a Christian woman's behaviour? Boaz, okay. Do you think Boaz is a model for a Christian man's behaviour? So there's things we can learn, but you need to be careful about that. When, when Mark Driscoll preached on, um, on, on Ruth, well, he's a very clever communicator and lots of stuff he says is good, but he turned it into kind of a manual for dating almost, okay? How do, how do single men and women behave and you've got the threshing floor, and, you know, just... No, no, you've got to read these character studies through the glasses of the New Testament that tell us how to live and be careful about what lessons we learn or draw from Old Testament characters. There you go. If you want to ask any questions or make any comments, um, we've got a few minutes, so I'll, um, I'll help moderate. And, and here. There's, yep, so you've got to... It's a good question. You could almost call it the book of Naomi. It begins and ends with her. Yes. Uh, I've only got in front of me what we've all got. But my, I think what it does is it closes the, it closes the story. So you begin with the heartache and, and, um, and bitterness and you know, uh, hard things that Naomi lives through. But you're showing it will be God was caring for her, you know. It, if you like, it closes the loop, um, and so I, I think that's why. Some people think it was just written to um, explain the genealogy of King David, or that the King David bit was just added at the end. But I think it's remarkable that from very early it's explained that King David had a Moabite as his grandmother, you know, his great grandmother. So that's, that'd be quite a surprise. to You wouldn't make that up. Yeah. So that's what I think. It's a way they tell the story with a focus on Naomi at the end. Yep. In fact, when you look at Matthew 1, you find uh, other nations amongst the women in the genealogy. And it's a way of, I think, preparing us for the fact that by the end of Matthew, it's going to be go to all nations uh, and make disciples. Um, Katie, and then over here. Um, so, one of the reasons for the brother-in-law marrying um, the widow is to continue the original husband's family line, the Deuteronomy 25, um, and yet it's not known as Elimelech's son, it's known as... It was married to Marlon, I think, yeah, Marlon kind of... Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can't help but wonder whether Boaz was fudging it a bit. I don't know. I'm just uh, so uh, yeah. I. Is it 
It doesn't strictly apply because Boaz is not Marlon's brother. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think, just think he kind of threw that in and said, you know, by the way, you get the land, but you get the male white girl too, and you go home and explain that. You know, that was. It, it could actually also be um, Boaz's willingness to give up his family name, which would be an even greater gift. Uh, possibly the um, yes the the son that is born to a Leverite marriage um, uh, inherits um, as much as any other son, which is why in Genesis thirty eight um, Onan won't um, have children with Tamar because uh, those children would would um, get an equal share in the inheritance from Judah the grandfather. Yeah. Rachel. Brother-in-law was hesitant to marry because he wasn't aware that she no longer practiced Moabite culture. I mean, he didn't know that she had given up everything. I mean, Boaz inquired of that, and he might have been hesitant. That's a good question. The fact that Ruth was a Moabite yeah. uh, would have made it much more complicated for him. Does yep. Did oh. It seemed, well, sorry, I think the Old Testament is that you, you should not marry, uh, you weren't allowed to marry women who worshipped other gods and you should not do that. So obviously it hasn't applied to Ruth then. That's, in fact, um, Rahab and Ruth um, and Tamar, well, I don't know about Tamar, but Rahab and Ruth are both from the pagan cultures. So, don't know, we don't know what, it's interesting, the guy first in line doesn't even get a name in the story. No, doesn't ask much, doesn't... I think he's saying it would endanger my own estate. It would just, it would just mess things up. I'd then have to buy the land. I'd probably have extra kids. It's just too complicated. So... Peter, and then Marshall. Yes, Al, thanks for your postscript there at the end. I just want to ask a question about... Do we, do we risk a chance of throwing out the baby with the bathwater in our desire to always see Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, how should we view the Old Testament in the sense of 2, 2, 3, 3 which tells us that all scriptures are inspired by God and proper Pharisees? Um, yes, we have to be careful about the stories we find in the Old Testament, but should we not also be careful that we're not throwing out the fact that all scripture is there for our family? Uh, I absolutely agree. All scripture. Uh-huh. We just need to read, uh, and, and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, etc. Uh, but we just need to read the Old Testament stories with the, um, uh, with the glasses of the New Testament on. I'll give you a classic one of how, what people do. David and Goliath. Okay? David's got to fight Goliath. And so um, what are the five smooth stones in your life that God's given you to fight the giants? That's not what the story is. God raises up a saviour to rescue the people who need saving. David is a type of Jesus. Right? I'm just the scared Israelite sitting back watching. What you know? So um, you've got to be careful how how we read the stories. But there's there's a lot to learn. Unfortunately, most of the learning from Old Testament characters is negative. Don't do that. Don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. So Boaz, Boaz, Daniel, and Joseph. I think are about the only three guys who come out looking really good at the end. Um, 
which gives me great encouragement that you can be a flawed character and still, you know, God will forgive you. But you're absolutely right. Don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just saying be careful in... Be careful in moralising from the Old Testament. They did this, therefore we should. Does that mean I can give up on the Daniel diet? <laughs> 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 Marcia. No? Gianna, did you have a question? Uh, yeah, I wondered if it's actually the redemption of um, Naomi and her whole family. They were sinful in taking that first action in leaving the promised land to go to Moab. Yep. They were sinful in carrying their sons off to Moab. So obviously they didn't have much regard for God. And she then blames God for everything. Yep. Um, but... You're right, actually. You see the, redemp the redemption of her in the last... That's, yep, good way to put it. And we see the, um, that God uses something beautiful out of something simple. Yep. Ruth is then included. So, you know, the nations are good. Yes, yeah. So it does focus, yes, you start with Naomi and the, and the problems, the wrong that they did and the mess and, it, and God fixes it, yes. Good way to put it. Um, I just think it's a cool observation, which I've never noticed before, that um, maybe not the primary focus of the book, but it's cool to see God set up these laws in Leviticus, how they should live. And we see a lot in the New Testament of how they're tripping up over these laws and they've made it this this thing that's a burden on people. Um, it's a cool, I guess, story about humanity entwining with those laws. Um, like, there's, a, there's a sense where you see this, this, this form of love, obviously between Naomi and Ruth, but then also Ruth and Boaz. And it's entwined into the gleaning, into the, um, into these, you know, brother-in-law should look after and all. And in a way, like, I'm a bit thinking like you, maybe Boaz leveraged that because he, he could see this love forming. Maybe, maybe not, but it's cool to see the humanity entwined yeah. in, in the law. Yep. It is, it is great, isn't it? How does God look after Naomi and Ruth? And it, God's people just live the way that he said. God's people do as he'd instructed. They, always, as a Christian, it's not always like this negative... Like it's, you know what I mean? As a, as a Christian, knowing that Jesus was obviously you know, the Pharisees were the enemy and they had these wars, but back then... You know, it was this, it was this way of living that God had set up.